Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast, our final one for the end of the year. And I want to offer you a practical invitation for you as we enter the new year. And I'm simply calling this podcast a radical approach to planning for the new year, a radical approach to planning for the new year. And I've really enjoyed actually preparing this uh, as I prepare for the new year as well. So for most leaders, uh, the end of the year is filled with a lot of activity, a whirlwind actually, uh, leading up to Christmas, of course, New Year's, there's also a break between the two, and then boom, uh, we have a difficult task of vision casting, setting direction, and uh, often goals for the upcoming year. But the transition uh, can be very challenging from end of one year into another because there are expectations uh, of other people that we have, whether it's your board or supervisor or people you're serving. There's external pressures, such as how other ministries or other uh, organizations are doing that seem to be flourishing. Uh, and you look at yourself and say, hmm, what am I lacking? And then there's internal expectations or pressures we put on ourselves. I often call it the internal slave driver of Pharaoh, uh, the shoulds, uh, that we should be doing this or more of this. This should be happening. And so we fill our calendar up quickly with have tos and we end up again in another year with too much to do in too little time, uh, and we feel pressure a lot. Uh, in fact, I get exhausted just thinking about it because I did it for years. And so to help, uh, in my early years at least, I would bring in a consultant around uh, Christmas and New Year's as soon as the New Year began. I'd, I'd want someone to help sort out all the strategic opportunities that were presenting our team and our mission and our history. We'd look at our past and what was right, wrong, missing, confusing, and we'd set some action goals and objectives for going forward. And I believe in consultants. They all can be very good. And it helped on a certain level. But I want to offer you today a radical approach uh, to planning for the new year. Uh, and it's what I do every year uh, and have been for now well over two decades, and it's been wonderful, and I want to commend it to you. And so this radical approach of planning to planning for the new year actually starts with you. Uh, and I'm going to invite you uh, very specifically to take one day uh, at least uh, before you return to work in the start of the new year, uh, whenever that might be, to be alone with God and with yourself. Now, maybe you're uh, vo bivocational or uh, you can only do a half a day for whatever reasons, well then do a half a day. But you take a space of time. You may need two days, uh, but I would say a half a day is minimal. One day uh, is ideal, two is even better. The point is you need space. And the week uh, between Christmas and New Year's is always a very good week to do it, or the week you come back uh, the first week of January. So your first day of work or your first two days of work are basically you alone with God and alone with yourself. And the model for this is Jesus, who often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, Luke 5, 16. He had rhythms. And I, in some ways, the calendar offers us a rhythm and invitations from God to pause and get anchored again. And I'm going to give you some very specifics in just a moment of how to approach that day alone with God. But it's important to note that it's a season change that's happening. And every time there's a transition or a season change, it's important to pause. I, I love Ecclesiastes 3. Uh, uh, and I meditated on often. I have actually a, a, 
a book that was given to me. It's kind of a children's book based on Ecclesiastes 3, and I've had it on my uh, kind of coffee table in our living room for, wow, 10 years probably. And uh, I'd often go back to it. You know, there's a time for everything and a season for everything, every activity under heavens. And, uh, and so there's a time and a season for everything. And so as we go into a new year, it's a wonderful time to say, what might God be doing in terms of change here? We're like Abraham. We're moving into something that doesn't yet exist. Uh, remember, Abraham, by faith, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. You know, by faith. And so we're moving into something new. The Spirit is alive. He's moving. He's present. He's not static. Things that maybe served us and worked for us at one time, they, they no longer do. And God has invitations for all of us. Uh, it's not about what's good or bad or right or wrong, it, it, or even win or lose. Or It's what was then and what, what's now. What are maybe forms or ways that we're doing things uh, this past year that are just over? Uh, and God has new, in a sense, wineskins for us. Our tendency is we don't want to change, uh, especially if there's difficult situations. But yet sometimes and some things and situations are meant to change us. So we need uncluttered time. We need uncluttered space to, uh, to get alone. So I want to invite you to get to a, maybe it's a library, it's a retreat center, it's a monastery, it's a park, it's your car. Uh, maybe it's just your office, uh, but you're alone for a day without distractions. And I want to invite you, uh, and I'm going to structure this, the rest of this podcast, I'm going to invite you to listen to God in three ways. Uh, in scripture, silence and stillness. So number one is going to be scripture. Number two is going to be silence and stillness. And number three is going to be in your journals, uh, what God's been saying to you for the last year or year and a half Uh you don't want to miss those seeds. My, my journals generally are like a year and a half of time. Um, and I'll write in it two, three times a week what God's doing, significant moments. I don't want to miss of consolations, desolations. Uh, and so I go back and I look at that journal. So that's a structure today. And it may help you as, as you structure a day of alone with God. And then after you listen to God in those three ways, scripture, silence, and then your journal, uh, then you apply it personally and then you apply it to your leadership. Okay, so that's gonna be how we flow the rest of this podcast. But let's begin, let me begin to take each one of the three ways we're gonna to listen to God, and then we'll apply it personally and to your leadership. So first is, I'm gonna to listen to God first in scripture. And so, you know, the, the, the in, you know, for me, in, in part of, and when I've been in scripture for the last, especially the last year, year and a half, I've been in the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, uh, and the Book of Romans in particular, and Paul's reflections on the Gospel. That's why Romans is often called the fifth Gospel. And I've been studying in particular Jesus, his, his leadership, uh, his being, his priorities, uh, the way he unfolded his ministry. And I've just been so struck over and over again by how grounded he is, how anchored he is, and the root of his power, uh, which is his being with the Father. And, you know, he goes in Luke 4, he goes into the desert, you know, filled with the Spirit. He comes out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. Uh, and that furnace of aloneness with the Father, of temptations, he gets so clear uh, on who he is, he comes out in great power. And so even in Luke 4, for example, they want to throw him off. Of, you know, he, they praise him in the beginning when he goes into the synagogue. Uh, but by the end of his sermon, they want to throw him off a cliff. But for Jesus, it's irrelevant whether they praise him or throw, want to throw him off a cliff. He's just so clear. He's just so anchored. 
And it speaks in, 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 in the Gospels how power just is coming out of him, his very presence. He, he, he speaks with authority, power. People come near him, they touch him, they get healed. Uh, and he's able to cut through so much religious jargon uh, and theologically cut to the essence of who God is and what he's doing. So whether he's talking about Sabbath or uh, fasting or love of enemies, he's just so clear and concise. And so I, I, I watch him, and then the way he, his priorities and the way he, he focused on the 12, it never ceases to and amaze me. And I, I'm so challenged by uh, who do I want, my investment of people. I mean, he prays all night before he chooses the 12. And in Luke 6, I'm just, oh, Lord, and the kind of time and slowness of that process. And then the centrality, of course, of the crucifixion and the resurrection and the way he just lets go of everything uh, as he invests and empowers the next generation. And, uh, you know, he follows, the, you know, I want to follow the crucified Jesus, not the Americanized Jesus. And, 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 that, and my time in scripture has just led me to the desert fathers afresh. Uh, and uh, it's something devotionally I've been weaving in uh, as part of my morning study, uh, the Sayings of the Desert Fathers by Benedict Ward. If you don't have that book, I highly recommend you get it. Uh, and I've been in that book. It's so tattered up. I should put a picture of it in my social media on Instagram or Facebook. But uh, it has served as a grounding for me. And I and it's given me some insight, actually, into Jesus, who I realized, oh, yes, he was like, a, he was a desert father. Uh, as he emerged into the world and did his active external ministry, he was just dead to everything except for the Father's will. And uh, it's actually given me some insight, especially in the last year, year and a half, uh, looking at the Desert Fathers and then looking at the life of Jesus. I mean, here, like I've written down in my journals things like, you know, Arsenius, uh, he received, he was a former tutor for the emperor's sons, and he heard a voice saying, flee, be silent, and pray always. These are the source of sinlessness. Again, that invitation to flee the world, be silent before the Father, and pray always. Uh, and and uh, Arsenius, again, one of the church, one of the desert fathers, he was questioned. Uh, you know, an archbishop from the city and a, and a magistrate came to see him, and they wanted a word from him. And then, after a short silence, uh, Arsenius says, "Well, will you put into practice what I say to you?" And they said they promised they would. And he said this: "If you hear Arsenius is anywhere, don't go there." If you hear Arsenius is anywhere, don't go there. It's much like, you know, Moses, another church father, used to say, you know, people came look, looking for him. And they said, where is the cell of Abba Moses? And he'd say, what do you want with him? He's a fool. Uh, and actually, it was him saying it, you know, telling them that, don't, you don't want to look for him. He's a fool. And just their, you know, just their, uh, their freedom from people. I uh, just loved it. You know, go sit in your cell and your cell will teach you everything. And I've read that saying many, many times over the years, but for some reason it's hit me afresh this past year of just sitting, go sit in your cell, your cell will teach you everything. And again, back to Jesus who often withdrew to lonely places. He was just so anchored. And so I want to, I'm in scripture. And uh, as I'm in scripture, of course, I'm pausing, I'm doing Lectio Divina, I'm letting the scripture wash over me. And so I, I'm, I'm going to spend some time in scripture in this day alone with God. In fact, I can read a sentence from a book even and do Lectio Divina on that sentence if I sense God is you know, teaching me from it. Um, in fact, uh, and I read the story again of uh, you know, one of the church fathers, Moses, and how they wanted, they invited him to come and they wanted him to, them to help 
judge a brother who had fallen into sin. And he kind of goes there, but he has this jug leaking of water on the way there. And he basically says to them, I, I, I have my own sins that trail behind me, and the last thing I'm going to do is judge my brother. And I just said, oh, Lord, I want to be like that. I want, I want to be like Jesus. People never felt judged by him. The only people he judged were the religious leaders. And that's over and over in the gospel. But everyone else felt loved by him. Those who were living immoral, very ungodly lifestyles felt completely safe in his presence. And I, oh, Lord, I want to be like that. So I start with scripture, right? So you want to spend some time in scripture, how God's been coming to you. But then second, you want to have silence. Um, lots of silence. We're stopping, you're letting God wash over you. You know, be still and know that I am God. There's a knowing that comes in silence and stillness of God that can only come in silence and stillness. You know, be still and know that I am God. We can't mature without it. And so in transition times like this, where I'm inviting you to take a day alone with God, you want to have a lot of silence. Uh, Maybe not just five or 10 minutes, maybe seasons, you know, five minutes here, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes here. But the goal is communion, loving union with Jesus. We're surrendering our will to his will. And we're listening. Yes, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And, and I just allow his love to envelop me. And when distractions come, again, the inner noise, I just let it go, uh, along with outer noise. But I, I don't I don't want to go into intercession really at this season. And as I begin this day with God, I, I just want to be, be an intentional silence with Jesus. That's what, you know, it's very purposeful. And I want to relax in his presence, trusting him. I want to let go of every attachment I've got in the world. And I want to be listening for his voice. And I may even take time, and I've done this not every year, but uh, you know, some years I'll just make a long list of everything I'm thankful for. I mean, I could take a couple of hours, just all the thankfulness of just to get perspective. I'll fill up a page. So anyway, that, again, scripture is number one, then silence. And then thirdly, I'm going to review my journals. Uh, in this day alone of a transition, as I'm thinking about planning for the new year, like I write in my journal two, three times a week, uh, especially when God says something to me that I felt was, I don't want to lose that seed. Now, it could come from desolations, difficulties. It could be, you know, a scripture. It could be a book I'm reading. It could be I hear something. Um, but I, again, I don't want to lose it. So again, it's generally in morning prayer, I, I will make note of it. And so my journal I've got here right on this table, uh, you know, it goes back to August 2021, so about a year and a half. And so I go back, and I actually started to review it. I'm going to have my day alone with God next week. But I just went back and reviewing it just to kind of see as I was preparing for this podcast. And I look for themes. I look for the movements of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Uh, so, for example, there was a quote there from Vincent de Paul, he who hurries delays the things of God. Uh, and uh, at one point, I did a whole big, you know, study on hurry sickness and uh, in our culture, and uh, and again, I'm just amazed at the theme of my desire for more and more spaciousness with God, more than at any other season of my life. Uh, and then I have moments where I, I I saw that I the cutting back of doing certain things like external speaking uh, and just how it brought to desolation. And I was like, why is that, God? I used to love this and trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I'm shocked at how, you know, I get a seed of something I think God wants to do. And it can be a year ago and it's, the seed has just grown a little bit, but it's still there and it's grown larger. Uh, 
but I, I don't want to lose that seed. And often there's a long runway for what God's saying to me in my journals. And I get greater and greater focus. I'm amazed at how long I have been talking about writing uh, this next book, which I pray I'll finish someday, you know, on marriage. Uh, I write lots of eBooks and smaller things, but this larger book, I mean, I've been talking about this in my journal for over 20 years, but especially in the last couple of years. Even my relationship with social media continues to shift. I have this quote here from a Norwegian diplomat and a Nobel Prize winner in 1921 in my journal from Christian Lewis Lang, where he says, technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. And I, I, I noted that because I have my own relationship with social media, uh, but I see how it consumes leaders. Uh, is almost like a uh, an Instagram or Facebook, Twitter spirituality, TikTok spirituality. You can put so much time into gaining followers uh, that it's just got such a level of shallowness, and it's just it looks great on the outside, but inside it's just empty. And I I could feel the the, the temptation myself, and I just wrote that down. But again, this constant theme I had in my my journals of transition. Uh, Long term, I look at seasons and times where I'm dysregulated. Uh, even times when Jerry and I had tensions, I'll note that. What happened? Um, I've got a whole theme running through my journal last year and a half of quantum physics and the universe, cosmology. You know, the James Webb Telescope, the Hubble. You've probably seen in the papers over the last year, and and I just ended up reading a number of books. I just finished a biography of Einstein uh, by Walter Isaacson. It was fascinating, but I. I just keep staying in this quantum physics and cosmology stuff, and and I don't know why. I just could feel the pull from God, you know how, uh, and it's related to Romans eleven thirty three uh, to thirty six, uh, where, for example, that our visible universe is a million 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 miles across. The edge of our universe is nine hundred ninety billion trillion miles away. I mean, that's really big. I can't even get my brain around it. And then when I Meditate on scriptures like Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. I mean, how big God is! I mean, oh Lord! I mean, God, and it just it it just enables me His infiniteness, but yet He's so intimate and personal. And so I, oh, I just kind of relax in that. I I trust Him. I I follow, and and then again, I'm just in my early part of the day, right? It could be this my first half, three quarters of my day is just scripture, silence, reviewing my journal, relaxing in him, surrendering to Jesus, following him. And I'm reflecting on what are God's sealed orders for, my, for me personally. Uh, and then, of course, my leadership. And a lovely book, and I encourage you to pick up, it's a, it's a small little book, thin book, it's called Healing the Purpose of My Life, I'm sorry, called Healing the Purpose of Your Life by uh, Dennis, Sheila, and Matthew Lynn, L-I-N-N. And uh, they talk about, it really comes out of Ignatian spirituality, but it's, it's, it's discerning what are your sealed orders from God, kind of in an envelope, God heals you. They used to do this for, for ancient ship captains, they would get sealed orders in an envelope of where to go with the ship. Well. And you have an essence or an unrepeatability, a, a way of being in the world, and an unrepeated uniqueness. And you are to bring that to the world. And so when there's times of transitions, like going into a new year, I will reflect again on what are God's, again, Lord, what is your 
sealed orders from me? Uh, what's my little piece in the big thing you're doing in the universe and in the world today? Uh, and, uh, you know, I wrote down, I, you know, I, I had such a passion to set people free from slavery into their destiny in God, to move into the promised land that God has for them in Jesus, and my passion for community and the world, the globe, and people on the margins, this artistic piece of me. So I, so again, I, I, out of those three elements, as, as a first portion of my day, and you know, scripture, silence, your journal, and you're just kind of savoring and listening. And then I move into the second part of my, really my day alone or days alone with God, which are the personal, what are the personal priorities that God's inviting me to this year? And then what are my leadership priorities that God's inviting me to adjust coming into the year? So let me take each one of those that come out of scripture, silence, and uh, my journals. So I invite you to say, take, okay, look at your personal priorities. So you'll say, you know, first, always your personal priority is, what do I need to continue growing and maturing in Jesus? Uh, that's always been like your number one in your job description, to be growing as a mature Jesus follower. And uh, I think that's the first gift we give everybody that we lead. So it, it may include things like study weeks. Uh, I look at the flow of the year in my calendar. Uh, again, transition times like this, you know, you build this in next year. You may build a three-day retreat into uh, next transition between Christmas and New Year or after the New Year. I look at vacations and rhythms and the calendar. It's hard work. Uh, and then I look at, you know, what kind of reading my, I feel led by God to do or a podcast or people I want to learn from, uh, mentors I want to stay connected to. Uh, how am I going to do that? When am I going to do that? Maybe a conference I might want to attend. Um, it, of course, now I'm married. If you're married, uh, well, how are you going to invest in your marriage? For me, how am I going to invest in Jerry, our relationship to continue growing and maturing? Our four daughters, grandchildren. And if you're single, the same question. How can I grow in my singleness for Jesus? Uh, I know for Jerry and I, going to the national parks in the United States has been an important priority for us every year to go hiking. Um, in fact, that's why your personal priorities for growing in Jesus is number one. So if you don't have, for example, a, a rhythm of Sabbath, uh, you want to get that started. If you don't have a rule of life, you want to learn to do a rule of life. So I'm going to just, again, mention two resources that uh, you may want to use for your own personal development going into the year. The first is on you know, starting, getting started with a, sta a Sabbath rhythm every week. We've got a great ebook on that. It's go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash Sabbath. Check that out. It is worth your time. It's a short read, but you need to get started on the rhythm of Sabbath weekly. Uh, and then also the, there's a, we, I do a whole little teaching on how do you craft a rule of life for yourself. It's on video. It's got a workbook. Again, it's free. I show you my rule of life. Uh, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash rule. That's a bit of a bigger project, emotionallyhealthy.org slash rule. Check that out. Uh, you'll find that very helpful. Uh, there's a, we have an Emotionally Discipleship Masterclass uh, in January, at the 25th of January. You may want to come to that four-hour seminar uh, on kind of what is this theological material that Pete's talking about underneath all this material. Um, and it, uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash masterclass. Check that out. Maybe take a day for something like that. Uh, it's worth it. But you want to ask, what are a few of God's invitations that have been that are coming to me personally? So for me, for example, one thing that came that's already come out of my, uh, you know, my, my journaling, my, my rhythms, 
was letting go of the podcast, doing this every week and moving it to every two weeks. That was really significant. Uh, greater discipline in my life, uh, doing less so I have more time to write and be silent with God. I've been thinking about, you know, I feel like God's constantly leading me to think about 10, 20, 30 years from now uh, and investing in people. Uh, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to be giving away? Again, thinking long term. I'm listening for God's sealed orders for me. And I note again, what, what are things in my journal that, that have set my heart on fire? Unique, what are unique burdens that God placed on me? Uh, and I'm listening, and I'm listening for God's unique dream for my life, and I want to hand that dream back to him as my love gift to him. And so, again, I've got personally priorities. I'm just, lots of silence, my calendar, I'm just listening again. I'm taking that all and saying, what adjustments need to be set in my priorities? And I, and I always do calendar first with me maturing in Jesus. Then secondly, I look at leadership uh, priorities. What shifts might God be inviting me to do? And I encourage you to do the same thing. Um, so again, you're always first. As a leadership priority you, is you, <laughs> leading yourself, the most difficult person to lead. But then secondly is your team, investing in your team, uh, growing them, thinking about them. Uh, embracing the limits that you've got. Uh, so, you know, you, what are the things God has entrusted to you uh, that's your primary role? So, for example, when I was the lead pastor at our church for 26 years, that was my primary role. So that was a huge limit to, like, not get into too many other ministries and stuff because the bulk of my time was to serve and love and lead the people of our local church. So remember, limits are, remember, limits are a gift from God. Uh, and so I, I review again, what's the primary role that God's given me at this season? So even right now, I lead Emotionally Healthy Discipleship as a parachurch ministry. We've got a few employees. Um, and I, I help steward that. I'm under a board. But that's a priority of my time. So I, I'm careful to not get into too many other things that take me out of that. Uh, and we've got four or five priorities as a, as a ministry. Uh, I like the word priorities versus goals. Goals can feel like I've got to reach this thing, but priorities are, these are what we sense God's calling us to focus on, directions he's inviting us to. Sometimes we put a number to that, uh, but it's it's what's God saying in the priorities, and I review that based on this day alone with God. Is there any shifts that have to happen? I look at my job description. I hold it before the Lord, and I'm listening again in silence and before him. There was a wise consultant many years ago, my early years, that I used to travel around with and follow uh, to be mentored by him. And he got paid a lot of money to mentor, to uh, you know, consult with parachurches and large ministries. And he used to say all the time that the best counsel he would give a leader was to spend uh, an hour uh, before God with the organizational chart of their ministry and hold each person before the Lord and listen. It was tremendous advice. Uh, and I do, I hold my job description before the Lord and say, God, is there any adjustments you want to make? I hold the people that I work with before the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything you want to say, any adjustments I need to make? But again, I'm listening. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm embracing my limits. Like I, there's, a, there's a theme in my personal journals uh, and, and I, of, Creating a new leadership scorecard for success is probably one of the most 
common questions I get asked all the time. What is the new scorecard for success? It's not numbers, which has becomes a heavy yoke and makes us crazy and overloaded. Uh, and so I've been, I've been working on this for probably at least two years. Uh, but I recognize that that project is under secondary to my major project, which is writing an actual, a book, which is actually quite more difficult, but I'm working on it. And I've got a couple of others too, but I, I'm listening for what is God inviting me to. And so then I take that and I do, I'll go to Jerry with it, my wife, married to her and say, what do you, not about the whole thing, but some, I might want to get her input on some things. What do you think? Uh, and then of course, I'm going to go to the board uh, the board that I'm under is a board chair who I consider my direct supervisor. And I'm listening to the board who are discerning men and women for input. I believe in spiritual authority. There's a place for it. And God puts that over us. Uh, I'll go to our team at some point as well. But I'm, I recognize it's not just a solitary practice. There's a process in this thing. Listen, let me close with like three common questions I get asked. And, and the first one is, uh, is something that needs to be said to balance off on this day along with God you're going to have is, why is this discernment process so slow? Why doesn't God just send a letter? Uh, and why does it seem like slow is so important? And the answer very simply is, God is not in a rush. We're sheep, not the shepherd. We're not God. We're not in control. Uh, God takes care of timing. And actually, the slow process is the way that we're transformed. Uh, and the struggle to discern God's will is actually the way that God births change in us. We, we die at the cross of not knowing, uh, and we wait on him. So it's, it's just a, so, so this discernment, it takes time. Another question I was asked by a pastor recently is, I have a particular burden. In his case, it was for a, launching a men's ministry, but it's actually not in our church uh, priorities. And how do I intersect the two? And I would say, if you're the leader of a ministry or leader of the church, the burdens God places on you almost always have a relationship to that ministry. God's calling you to lead it in a certain direction. And I would say, yeah, you want to explore and go forward with that men's ministry. Again, you've always, you're under a board, you're part of a larger whole, but I'd be listening to that very, very uh, closely. And then, of course, your, your, where your spouse, if you're married, is going is significant. So Jerry led our marriage ministry at the church for 17 years. So that would, so I became her assistant and came under her in that uh, uh, and was part of that. So that became a priority for me because it was a priority for her. So I hope this has been a help to you. Happy New Year to you. I never expected this to go a full 30 minutes. And again, let me invite you to check out. Uh, you may want to develop a rule of life as you go into the new year. Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash rule. Uh, take an hour. Watch that video and the workbook. Create It'll help you create a rule of life. Or you may just want to get started on Sabbath for now and go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash Sabbath and get started with that rhythm. So God bless everybody. Happy New Year. Hope this has been helpful. I've enjoyed actually preparing it. So have a great day. The Lord be with you. Amen. <music>